All right, glad you're with us. Uh, you know, there comes a point in everybody's life. I, I'm mad as hell, and I'm not going to take it anymore. I'm not at that point, but it is getting really, really, really difficult to hold back what is just an anger that I have at what the mob and the media and the Democrats are doing to the country. It is they are so detached from any objective truth, fundamental fairness, honesty, intellectual honesty, intellectual curiosity on and common sense reason. It is they're void of all of it. And I don't care if it's, you know, even, you know, Baghdadi, they can't praise the president for killing the world's number one most evil, brutal terrorist and killing the guy's likely successor in the process of all this. They can't even bother. They're not going to pay any attention to Kayla, uh, Kayla uh, Mueller's dad praising the president for leaving Democrats in the dark about the al-Baghdadi raid because this mission was named after his humanitarian daughter who was brutally killed after being raped by this, this ISIS evil SOB. I mean, you know, it's it is beyond anything that I have ever witnessed in the 31 years that I have now publicly been speaking out about politics on radio and now the 24th year at the Fox News Channel. I've never I've never witnessed anything this ugly, twisted, sick, and I've never witnessed a let you have to suspend all adherence to truth, reality, reason, common sense. You have to apply the most glaring double standards to do and to be a Democrat today. And it seems like it is just taken over. You talk about mass hypnosis or a a psychotic shift in thinking, but it is it is real. It's as real as Anything I think I've ever seen in my life, you wonder sometimes how people could just lose it. You know, there is this this phenomenon of of cultures and societies, you know, where the people become brainwashed, indoctrinated, mindless, thoughtless robots, and they just regurgitate and repeat whatever the, the line of the leaders of the madness tell them to repeat. And you wonder, well, how can that happen? And it's happened again and again throughout history. And it's pretty scary that it keeps happening. You know, all this talk about Baghdadi. Is there anybody out there in the Democratic Party that's going to say, thank you. Good job, Mr. President. I know that's a stretch, right? Piers Morgan, literally, they're shaming themselves. And they don't seem to be shameable, if that makes any sense. This was an incredible successful the uh, operation the world is better off it's safer more secure today you know kamala harris the best she could do is it was like oh his comments he was acting like a you know he's commenting on a video game that's all you can muster you know the austere intellectual as the washington post said dies at age 48 that's not who this guy was he was a radical sick deranged evil Islamist that killed hundreds of thousands that in that inspired and instructed terror around the world that literally would chop people's heads off him and his his henchmen 
and burn people alive in cages and I guess take joy out of doing it. That is the evil that was destroyed this weekend. But the NPR NPR is praising Baghdadi as he was a real leader, a movement we've never seen before. Wow. And on top of the austere intellectual, the Wash- you have a Washington Post columnist. Hey, the assertion that Baghdadi died as a coward was, in, in any case, contradicted by the fact that he, would, rather than be captured, he blew himself up. What? Well, that's the coward in him. What part of that don't you understand? They have to delete that. Fake news, CNN, the 41 most shocking lines from Trump's Baghdadi announcement. They are so hung up on two things that, number one, the president didn't tell Pelosi and the corrupt, compromised, coward, shift, the congenital liar that he is. And why should he? Because none of them can keep their mouths shut. We've never had in a moment in history where a president's conversations with prime ministers and presidents was being leaked and released to the public. But they're upset about that. They're also upset about oh, the the president said he he died after running into a dead end tunnel, whimpering and crying and screaming all the way. He died in a vicious, violent way as a coward running and crying. Oh, I'm so sorry. It offends you. Then you've got Area 51, Roswell, Rachel Maddow's MSDNC channel. You know, this raid shows flaws in Trump's foreign policy. It happened despite of him. And, And that's pretty much the entire media. Jamie Lee Curtis, he may have died a coward at real Donald Trump, but all living things suffer when they're blown up. Oh, we're supposed to feel bad that he suffered. The murderer died. I mean, imagine saying this, and I don't like Hitler analogies, never use them. What it, It's mass murder on that scale. It's evil on that scale of evil. You don't have a conscience and a soul if you're just going to cut people's heads off you don't like and disagree with or burn people and get pleasure out of watching them burn to death after you set them ablaze in a cage or that you literally wipe out the pretty much the large portions of the Yazidi Christian community in northern Iraq and you capture women and children and use them as sex slaves. That also was part of the M.O. of ISIS. So you got that madness all unfolding. Then we've got the impeachment insanity madness that is happening as well. Now, you have to suspend. This is how hypocritical you must be if you are a a member of the mob or a Democrat. You have to just forget that, you know, you have to believe that Russian interference is wrong, but only if it's Donald Trump. You can't ever talk about the bought and paid for dirty Russian dossier of Hillary Clinton. You can be outraged over obstruction of justice that never happened with Donald Trump. But you then have to forget the subpoenaed emails, deleted, bleach bit, hammers, devices, no SIM card. You have to just not talk about that part. You have to be okay with the dirty Russian dossier, which we now know is unverifiable, and the up to five warnings given to the DOJ and and super patriots like James Comey saying, don't trust Christopher Steele, saying in a FISA application it's verified because it says verified on top of it, not verify it, but use it anyway to take away the civil liberties of one American 
and then find a way to spy on a candidate for president, then a transition team, and then the president. And you have to be okay with all of that. Or the weaponizing by only the 1% in the intelligence community, the other 99% keep us safe and secure in a very dark, evil world today against enemies foreign and domestic. But the 1% that'll weaponize these powerful tools we entrust to them and turn it on a president to spy on him and outsource spying to our allies to circumvent American laws. That is a big deal because you don't have a constitution. You have a police state at that point and America and constitutional justice law, equal justice under the law, equal application of our laws go, goes away. Now, I know that you're thinking, well, uh, well, maybe maybe Nancy Pelosi got the message. She's going to be fair. She's, she's now going to have this vote on Thursday. Well, Steny Hoyer, who is the House Majority Whip, well, he's speaking out today, signaling he's not committing to the House Democrats voting this week to formalize their secret impeachment inquiry. Uh-oh. Is, you know, they'll be seeing little cracks in the in the madness rush to impeach over nothing. And we'll get to that in a second. Because there is a USA Today Suffolk poll out. And that shows, and it found that only 36% of respondents support this House voting to impeach and remove the president. 22% say Congress should continue with their impeachment inquiry, but should not vote to remove him. 37% say lawmakers should end their impeachment probe and 4% remain undecided. All right, that's 22% in favor of continuing the inquiry, but against removal. So that would be 59% against removing the president. It's not going to happen in the House anyway. But, you know, with with everything that we're hearing, watching and saying, Ukraine is no different than obstruction of justice, the double standard uh, with Hillary Clinton, no different than Russian interference with Hillary Clinton's dirty dossier that they ignored. The same thing is happening with Ukraine because we have the transcript I don't care how many non whistleblowers, hearsay whistleblowers or people that heard the call that were alarmed and concerned. It doesn't matter. None of that matters because we have the actual transcript. And in the transcript, it's very clear that the president is asking, well, after congratulating the new elected president of Ukraine, President Zelensky, hey, I need a favor. You got to help us out here. We've spent three years now investigating 2016, you know, outside election interference by foreign entities. Your country was involved in it. How do we know that? Politico, July 11th, 2017. They confirmed it. We also have a Ukrainian court. You know, a court in Ukraine, they determined that, in fact, Ukraine interfered in our 2016 elections. So the president, remember, he has an oath. We have a constitution. He's charged to faithfully execute the laws of this land. And the president saying, I'd like your help to get to the bottom of that. And yeah, the president did mention, you know, if you again, to be a Democrat, you can't apply the same standards. You can't be uh, upset that Ukraine helped and interfered in our elections because that had nothing to do with favoring Donald Trump. You see, Ukraine was helping Hillary Clinton. If you care a lot about quid pro quos, well, then you just have to ignore the quid pro quo of Joe Biden leveraging a billion taxpayer dollars, bragging about it 
and saying you got six hours to fire a Ukrainian prosecutor or you're not getting the money. Son of a B, they fired him. You have to ignore that part. There's a quid pro quo, right? Right there in front of us. What Democrat has spoken out about that known quid pro quo? They say it's a conspiracy theory. Well, if it is, Joe Biden is the one who launched it. And then you have to forget that Hunter Biden, the the kid with no experience, he does the ABC interview. Have you had any experience with Ukraine? No. Oil? No. Gas? No. Energy? No. Why do you think they chose you? Why wouldn't they pick any other American to give millions of dollars to? I don't know. Do you think maybe it's because your father was the vice president and the second most powerful person in the U.S. at the time? Yeah, probably. They He says it and they say, oh, that, that's got to be a conspiracy theory. You have to ignore that truth, those facts, that reality to be a Democrat today, to be a member of the mob and the media today. It's never been this sick. It's never been this distorted, this ugly, this corrupt, this biased, this this abuse. You, you it's like they're living on another planet. It's like invasion of the body snatchers. They don't even exist anymore. There is no rational rationalization in their minds. They just hate Trump. That rage, that psychosis goes that deep. That's how hypocritically corrupt they all are. It is really insane. These are not normal times. All right. So the Democrats released the uh, statement on the House resolution. Here's the, 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 the gist of this whole thing. They're not being fair anyway. They, they, this, you got to understand, this is secret Soviet Union style, an impeachment coup attempt being run by a compromised, corrupt, coward Schiff, who's also a congenital liar. And Jim Jordan was out there today saying they're not even letting us ask anybody questions. They're behind closed doors. It is corrupt. But let me let me cut to the chase. None of it matters. Anonymous sourcing. It doesn't matter what people thought of the call. It doesn't matter what the whistleblower, non whistleblower hearsay whistleblower. None of it matters because you got the transcript. When you get the transcript, you get to read it yourself. And you get to see what that a president, not only did he not do anything wrong, you see the president is faithfully executing the laws of the land. We all, we, he has a constitutional sworn oath and duty. We also have a treaty with Ukraine that they will work in criminal matters. The idea that all those people that thought that election interference was so horrible for three years well, they don't want to hear about Ukrainian election interference and the president rightfully, faithfully executing, asking. And what American is going to look me in the eye and tell me Joe Biden bragging about shaking down quid pro quoing Ukraine to fire the prosecutor or they get no money or Hunter Biden's no experience in oil, gas, energy or Ukraine. Why'd you get the job? The money, the millions. My daddy. I think most of you know that um, 
Chairman Schiff has prevented the witness from answering certain questions we have during the deposition. Um, you know, one of the things you do in these depositions is you ask the basics. Who, what, when, where, why? You ask those questions. When we asked the whistleblower who he spoke to after important events in July, Adam Schiff says, no, 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 we're not going to let him answer that question. Even though at the start of every one of these depositions, and you all know this already, every one of the start of every single one, he says, this is not classified. He tells us that. The witness has their counsel there, their lawyer there. They don't need Adam Schiff being chairman and lawyer. But that's, in effect, what happened today. And he would not let the witness. And, and look, the Democrats run out here and say, oh, the Republicans are trying to figure out who the whistleblower is. We're trying to figure out who a witness Liz is. Uh, if you the resolution that the speaker has just filed at some point, she points this out in the resolution. This is going to go to the Judiciary Committee. If, in fact, they, they push it there, there will be witnesses called. We'd like to figure out who those witnesses should be so the American people can get the facts, get the truth. And we know who these individuals are so that it is. It seems interesting to me that chairmanship is so sensitive. I mean, pointed out last week, there are 435 members of Congress. One of them, one of them, only one of them knows who the whistleblower is. More importantly, who the sources are for the whistleblower that were the basis of him filing this complaint. And somehow he doesn't want anyone else to know that him and him, Mr. Schiff and his staff are the only ones in America who can know. And it's evidence about his sensitivity. You saw it on display today when we tried to ask the witness certain questions and Mr. Schiff would not let him answer. Jim Jordan, Ohio, 25 till the top of the hour. Do you hear what he's saying? They're preventing the witnesses from answering the questions. The reason the com- Schiff is compromised. He's corrupt. He's a coward and he's a proven congenital liar. Now, I, I'm reading this. This resolution that they just released is a joke Now, just to give you background, remember when Newt Gingrich Republicans, when the impeachment of Bill Clinton went on, they had a full House vote authorizing the impeachment inquiry. So they're trying to like thread a needle and appear to be fair. But once you get into the details, they're not doing what what Newt Gingrich did by any stretch. For example, Newt allowed the full House at every critical step to define the scope and establish the rules and procedures. That's not what they're dictating them. And I'll explain in a minute. They allowed co-equal subpoena power for the chair and the ranking member. That's not allowed as you get into the details of this resolution. Newt Gingrich allowed subpoenas be subject to a vote of the full committee at the request of the chair or the ranking member. Newt Gingrich allowed Clinton's counsel the right to attend all hearings and depositions. That's not happening so far with the president allowed the president's counsel, the right to present evidence allowed the president's counsel, meaning Clinton's the right to object to admitting certain evidence, the president's counsel, the right to cross examine the president's counsel, the right to recommend the witness list. Now, let me just, as I read this, uh, so the resolution starts out directing certain committees to continue their ongoing investigations as part of the existing House of Representatives inquiry into whether or not sufficient grounds exist for the House of Representatives to exercise its constitutional power to impeach Donald J. Trump, president of the United States and for other purposes. And then they have the resolution that the Committee on Intelligence and 
and the Committees on Financial Services o- Oversight, et cetera, et cetera, are directed to continue their ongoing investigations. By the way, what that means is this is a let's have every committee investigate, 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 do nothing for the American people and see if anything sticks. This is a fishing expedition resolution. Number one. Then it goes into, for the purpose of continuing the investigation described in the first section, a permanent select committee on intelligence. This is where it is led by the compromised, corrupt, coward, Schiff, the congenital liar. That's they're using his committee. They're authorized to conduct proceedings pursuant to the resolution that the chair of the select committee shall designate an open hearing or hearings pursuant to the section, notwithstanding Rule 11 of the House of Representatives upon recognition of the chair purposes, blah, 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 blah. Here's where they go sideways again. Well, number one, they're so deep into the process. They're allowing every committee basically to continue the ongoing investigation into impeaching the president. But they don't have any reasons for any of it. And we don't need any witnesses anyway, because we got the transcript. That's the sick part of all of this. But then it, this is where it gets interesting. The chair and the ranking minority member shall be permitted to question witnesses for equal specified periods of longer than five minutes as determined by the compromised, corrupt, coward, congenital liar shift. The time for each period questioning under this paragraph shall be equal for the chair and the ranking minority member. Sounds fair, right? No, it's not. Because the compromised, corrupt, coward shift, the liar, well, he's the one. The chair may, uh, it goes on for equal amount of time, but the chair may confer recognition for multiple periods of such questioning, but each period of questioning shall not exceed 90 minutes in the aggregate. And only the chair and the ranking minority member or permanent select committee employee, if yielded, if yielded by the chair. I mean, do you understand what they're doing here? If they ever got the whistleblower in the chair, which started all of this, the whistleblower would then be questioned extensively about the contact with the compromised, corrupt, coward chef. And just like then they'd have to answer questions about the relationship with Biden. So they don't want that person. And they're going to prevent the Republicans from ever doing any of this. They're going to, quote, allow full evaluation of minority witness requests, full evaluation of requests. That doesn't mean they can do it. They have they have to go through the compromise, corrupt, coward Adam Schiff. And by the way, they may submit to the chair. In other words, Schiff in writing any request for witness testimony relevant to the investigation Described in a section of the resolution within 72 hours after notice is given for the first hearing designated uh, pursuant to paragraph one. Any such request shall be accompanied by a detailed written justification of the relevance of the testimony of the requested witness to the investigation described in the section of the resolution. What does that mean? It means the compromise corrupt shift can say no. Like if the whistleblower is called in, he will say no. He knows they can't do that because as soon as they do, he gets exposed as being a fact a witness compromised in the case. So he'll have the final determination. So this whole resolution is one big smokescreen. They're trying to act fair. They're trying to you know, seem like they're doing what Newt Gingrich did without doing any of it. 
And it goes on. The ranking member is uh, the ranking minority member is authorized with the concurrence of the chair. Again, you need the compromise, corrupt, coward shifts approval to require as deemed necessary to the investigation. Again, you have to get daddy's permission. Daddy's compromised. Oh, cowardly shift, compromise shift. But anyway, you have to get his permission by subpoena. Otherwise, that you would deem necessary the investigation, the attendance and testimony of any person, including at a, taking a deposition. That doesn't guarantee the rights of the minority or the president's counsel. The production of books, records, in other words, admitting evidence. Again, you have to, it has to be authorized with the concurrence of the chair to have the attendance and testimony of any person to produce records, correspondence, in other words, evidence by interrogatory, furnishing of information in the case that the chair declines to concur, meaning shift the compromise leader in this witch hunt is uh, in a proposed action of the ranking minority member. The ranking minority member shall have the right to refer the committee for decision the question whether such authority shall be so exercised and the chair shall convene the committee properly to render that decision. Well, there's a little problem there. What is the exact number? There's far more num- there's, there's far more Democrats on the committee than Republicans. So the deck is stacked there because the Democrats will protect their fearless compromised leader. This is nothing. You know what this is? This is, again, it's an ongoing secret Soviet style impeachment coup attempt. And the worst part of all of this, and I'll stop because it's full of basically, well, you'll have the right to ask, but we won't ever give it to you. You have the right to ask for anything. We won't give it to you. We'll stack the Ghent. We just want to appear fair when we're not being fair. Now, the Justice Department today ruled On this very issue, they did their own investigation in the Justice Department, their criminal division, into investigating Trump's conversation with the Ukrainian president about Joe Biden. And it concluded that the president did not violate any campaign finance law. And as I said, the president was faithfully executing the laws of the land. These people supposedly cared about election interference. They didn't care about the dirty Russian dossier. They only cared about Trump election interference. Four separate investigations proved they didn't exist, culminating with three years. The Mueller investigation, sorry, that failed. So now they're just going to stack the deck and they're going to do it in secret. They're going to stack the rules in their favor. A resolution that is so corrupt of itself to protect the compromise leader of this witch hunt. That would be the compromised, corrupt, coward, congenital liar Schiff. I mean, this is not worth the paper it's printed on. There's not due process in this at all. Not even, they're just trying to make it appear like they're offering what Newt Gingrich offered. They're not doing any of the things Newt Gingrich did. Anyway, the separate, uh, a separate division of the Department of Justice, Justice also ruled today that the Trump administration did not break the law by failing to quickly share a whistleblower's complaint with Congress saying the matter didn't meet the definition of urgent that would trigger the law. Well, it wasn't even a whistleblower. It was a hearsay whistleblower, a non-whistleblower whistleblower that now has to be kept out of the public eye because there was contact with the cowardly shift's office. 
I've never seen anything like this. Now, Bill McGurn had a good piece in the Wall Street Journal today that Nancy Pelosi's sudden change in the rules of impeachment is because uh, the polls are going south and impeachment is now beginning to backfire. We now are seeing this in the poll I mentioned in, in the last half hour. We're beginning to see cracks. And here's what's happening. The American people are now understanding that this is nothing but a continuation of what has been never ending a nonstop effort to undo the results of a 2016 election. They've now talked since day two after Donald Trump was elected about impeachment. Uh, they did it all through 2017, all through 2018. I've run the timeline on TV. I'll run it again tonight and all through 2019. And now not only is it about undoing the election of 2016 that they never accepted the results of, they always thought Mueller was going to do the work for them and they're not going to be put in the position of waiting three more years to try it again. They're just going to do it themselves and they're never going to allow a, a, any type of fair process to go on because that's not who they are. And Democrats key impeachment witness. We just found this out today. Uh, Breitbart had an article, which was pretty interesting, that Bill Taylor, the U.S. ambassador to Ukraine, who provided key testimony to the Democrats on this impeachment, well, apparently uh, led an, uh, an election ob observation delegation in Ukraine earlier this year. Apparently some connected group to Soros, according to Breitbart, at the time boasted Hunter Biden on their on their board as their council chairman. For a guy with no experience, this kid's making a ton of money. And, I, and this is what you have to believe. It didn't matter. You only have. You only have interference by foreign countries being bad if it has to do with Trump, not the Russian dossier. Obstruction is bad, but not Hillary's deleted emails. Uh, you have to care about foreign interference on in our elections, but not the court decision in Ukraine that actually said they interfered in the U.S. election to help Hillary Clinton. That's where Democrats are. You have to support impeachment and throw out all of these whistleblowers when you have a transcript that shows that the president was doing that which Democrats said they wanted for the last three years, and that is to look into election interference by foreign countries and stop it. Because that's what the president was asking the president of Ukraine to do. And then as it relates to Biden, you really have to disconnect from any truth, reality, intellectual honesty, reason and common sense, because you have to ignore the quid pro quo of leveraging a billion tax dollars to fire a Ukrainian prosecutor in six hours or he's taking his billion dollars home. That's our money. Well, that would be a quid pro quo because he wanted the prosecutor fired. Now we know because Hunter Biden admitted on ABC, no experience, Ukraine, oil, gas or energy. But they paid him millions. Wow. You have to think that's a conspiracy theory, but one that was spread by Hunter and Joe Biden themselves. And then you got to go ignore China completely. No experience there either. Ten days after he goes with his father to China. A billion dollar deal with the Bank of China. These are insane times. All right, well, Jason Chaffetz is going to weigh in on all of this. Senator Tim Scott's with us today. Speaker McCarthy, Democrats say you're moving the goalposts, that you've been demanding this vote, and now that it's happening, you say the process is still a sham. What's your reaction? 
No, I, I applaud the speaker for finally admitting it is a whole entire sham, but you can't put the genie back in the bottle. A due process starts at the beginning. It doesn't affirm a miss-sham investigation all the way through. If you were in a legal term, it'd be the fruit from the poisonous tree. It'd be a mistrial. None of this, none of this information would go forward. But what's most important to the American public, we all have the phone call. We all have the transcript. We are all able to see there was no quid pro quo. The money was released. Ukraine did nothing and no action was taken. Where's the crime? Where's the impeachment? What's the impeachable offense? The American public sees that. We should move on and they continue to try to move a whole sham organization. It's not going to work. It is very clear the president did nothing wrong. So why are we continuing to go down this path just like we had to the last time Adam Schiff lied to the American public? Simply because they disagree with the outcome. I do not question this man's um, service to this country. But you know what? People have different philosophical beliefs. Now we have the proof before us. We are a country of a rule of law. There's nothing in there that's impeachable, but there is also a lot of challenges before us. The funding of the American troops, the funding of our budget, prescription drugs, our trade, our economy. But none of that is being done. None of that is being worked on because of the obsession that the Democrats have with impeaching this president. Very well said. That is the House Minority Leader. That would be Kevin McCarthy. We have the transcript. I mean, well, now we got a new witness. And he was on the phone call and, and he was nervous after he heard the phone call. Well, we now have the transcript of the phone call. I mean, the, the latest is the Democrats, as I've been saying today. Well, it, it was an evolution of a quid pro quo. That doesn't work either, because in the beginning, it was all quid pro quo. Now it's the evolution of a quid pro quo. Evolution? What are you talking about evolution? They got the money. It was, you know, here they cared so much about Russia, 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 collusion, collusion, election interference. And we've got all the evidence Oh, that's right. It didn't matter about Hillary's Russian dirty dossier. That didn't matter. That's that. that that's the insanity of all of this. You want to look at a quid pro quo? Look at look at Biden. Joe Biden bragging a billion taxpayer dollars. You got to fire him in six hours. Fire him in six hours. Or I'm taking the money. I'm going home. Son of a bee. They did it. We want to talk about buying influence, quid pro quos. Let's get the transcripts of Biden after, of course, his son Hunter makes millions. No experience with Ukraine. None. Zero. Zip. No experience in energy, oil, gas. Zero. Well, why did they pay you millions of dollars? I don't know. Does it have anything to do with your last name being Biden? Your father being the second most powerful guy in the country? Yeah, probably. Oh, and that's supposed to be OK. Um, this is not going for, forget the process. We have the transcript. There's nothing in the transcript. And that's why, well, you have the corrupt, compromised coward Schiff. He can't bring in the whistleblower. Whistleblower is dead, gone and buried now. You know, they, but why? Because if they, if they bring in the whistleblower, well, then the whistleblowers has to talk about the contact that they've had with Schiff's office. And they have to talk about favoring, uh, let's see, Joe Biden, Joe 30330. Anyway, Jason Chaffetz um, is with us, former congressman, now Fox News colleague, his book Power Grab. 
Uh, the liberal scheme to undermine Trump, the GOP and our republic, which is all true. Uh, you know, one of the points you've been making, I noticed you tweeted it out and you said it to me, is the House did vote on impeachment in a proceeding. It failed. That was July 17, 2019. And 137 Democrats voted against moving forward. But they've really been all over this since two days after Trump was elected, all through 2017, 2018, and now 2019. We'll just make up a new reason. How are you? Yeah, th- thanks for having me on, Sean. Yeah, I, I just went back and reread the article that appeared in the Washington Post on January 20th of 2017. Impeachment proceedings have begun. The resistance movement always had this goal in mind. I think uh, one of the reasons it's getting highlighted and accelerated right now is that they, this is just my own personal opinion, but they know that the Horowitz report and the Durham uh, investigation is in full throttle. And what a good time to have this come out. You already have Schiff and others trying to take swats at, uh, at at Horowitz and Durham and say, oh, this is just Trump. No, I, no, hang on. That, it's actually bigger than that. Now they they're so nervous. You've got, got the likes of Comey, Clapper, Brennan scared to death. This yep. is now a full on character assassin, the beginning of the character assassination of Durham and the attorney general. That's now their new talking point. Yeah. And and they've started that before they've seen a scintilla of the evidence. But it started from the day, you know, really what Donald Trump came down that escalator when he was sworn in. And they've all but they've, you know, Mueller, they thought, oh, we got him. We got him now. And, you know, nothing clean slate for Donald Trump. So you know, they've got the pedal to the metal. Um, I, the other thing, Sean, that strikes me is, again, if Adam Schiff had any goods on Donald Trump, when he had that hearing of, uh, just over a month ago, he would have cited the the uh, transcript verbatim. Instead, you know, he had to lie, he had to make it up. Uh, I thought the House should have taken more action against Adam Schiff on that case. But they don't have anything on Donald Trump. And the, the witness coming forward today, well, who is this guy? Oh, I've got concerns. We didn't elect you to, to voice your concerns. This is a political question. And guess what? Donald Trump gets to make that decision. You know what the irony is in all of that is, as I interviewed the president last Monday, a week ago yesterday, the president said, I know there's 900 people on these phone calls. He knows it's being either recorded or transcribed in real time. Uh, if he was going to do something like a quid pro quo, it would have been there. He didn't. But what we what we've had a consistent pattern of are never Trumpers, deep state operatives. I've never seen a president bludgeon from within like this guy you know nancy pelosi the the corrupt compromised coward schiff you know they're upset they weren't notified about the baghdadi raid and it's like well you're leaking the transcripts of of conversations with the president and prime ministers and other presidents why would he ever trust you yeah no there's no reason to trust him sean for the life of me i cannot figure out how to adam schiff still has a security clearance. Yeah, I mean, the guy's the chairman of the Intel Committee. How do you even have a security clearance at this point? He has demonstrated time and time again, he lies, he cannot handle classified information, and he should be stripped of that security clearance. Agreed on all of it. Now, here's where, where I think you have to be. You, you have to... You have to care about obstruction when there was none with Trump after four investigations, but ignore Hillary's private server deletions and hammers and bleach bed. You have to care about Russian interference, but not Hillary's bought and paid for 
Russian dossier uh, that was then used at not verified, but used to to spy on then candidate transition team and President Trump. You have to you know, you're OK with all of that. No complaints from any Democrats or anybody in the mob about that. Now you have to care about a phone call that 50, 100 people were listening to in real time, a whistleblower where there's not the president to me on that call as I've gone over this is faithfully executing the laws of the country. He is saying, get to the bottom of your election interference, which they said they cared about, but they don't. They dismissed the Biden corruption in all of this, which it's breathtaking to me. And they're still going to do this. Is that where we're headed? Well, what's going to be fascinating today, you know, remember Nancy Pelosi instituted a 72 hour rule, supposedly this resolution that's going to be, you know, that's unveiled today. Um, nobody's yet really seen it and digested it. She said they're going to vote on Thursday, but it's Tuesday. So do the math. I don't know how they have any time to actually properly digest this, but supposedly it's an impeachment proceeding, but it's not. It's somewhere in between. And the backstory there, and, and you've highlighted this, Sean, is really Lindsey Graham and the, the effort of the Senate to get those 50 senators to sign on and really call the bluff of Nancy Pelosi saying, what you're doing is bogus and we're not going to swallow it here over at the Senate. Well, are they going to allow the due process that Newt Gingrich allowed in the case of Bill Clinton? Because that question's not been at asked are they going to be transparent are they going to now have all the witnesses in public are they uh are they going to allow the president's attorneys uh access uh to every deposition and every meeting and and the right to question and subpoena and do their own thing like new gingrich allowed or no i don't think they are i think look nancy pelosi is three times impeachment has come up for a vote three times in a row it failed in fact the last time when it came up in july a record number, 137 Democrats voted against it. So she runs the risk of not getting to the finish line. But probably even more importantly, she doesn't want to give the likes of a John Ratcliffe and Collins and everybody subpoena authority to go call their other witnesses. She doesn't want to have the hear the other side of the story from the Trump perspective. She's, I don't think she wants to see that happen. What is there to subpoena? If you have the transcript, either the president did something unlawful or didn't. I've read it again and again. I've read it on air again and again. He didn't. All right, let me switch topics on you for a second here. You know Michael Horowitz, correct? The inspector yeah, general. Very well. Very okay. well. Yeah. Wasn't he wasn't he appointed first by Obama? He was. He was appointed by Obama. He was unanimously confirmed in the United States Senate. Um, he's a man with impeccable credentials. He's done the two reports so far. Remember he recommended for disciplinary action or prosecution the director of the FBI, the deputy director of the FBI, and the deputy assistant director of the FBI. The only reason we have all these all these uh, text messages is because the FBI said, no, we're not going to give them to you. We, we can't find them. Well, he went over to the Pentagon, got an algorithm done, and that's how we found all these texts in, uh, from Strzok and Page. I, I really well, like the guy. We have new messages just released today from Judicial Watch, a record showing contact between Strzok or that the DOJ at the time claimed they couldn't find. And um, right. but before I get to those questions, I want to ask you, all right, so what can the American people? Here's what we know. We know that the dossier was unverifiable. We know that its own author under oath in an interrogatory said, I have no idea if any of it's true. 
So they didn't verify it, but it became the bulk of information to in the FISA application at the top of a FISA warrant. According to John Ratcliffe, it says verified. That would mean that we have and, and we know of at least five occasions where the DOJ, the FBI were all warned, don't trust Steele. This is before the first application. And we also know McCabe said, well, no dossier, no FISA warrant. So they used it anyway. Unverified information. Is that not premeditated fraud committed on a FISA court? I think what we're also looking for, Sean, is the interaction. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. you didn't answer. That's an important question. Yes. Yes. No, it it clearly is. But what you're also looking for is the interaction before and after between Brennan, Clapper, and the senior Esterlon there at the FBI. If there is evidence that they willingly and knowingly did this, you can put the document there, but you also need to look at in real time, did these people know that they were defrauding the court? Then I think the Department of Justice is left with nothing but the 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 need and the imperative to prosecute these people. All right. Take a break here. Uh, we have our good friend, Congressman Jason Chavis. You know- All right, we continue with Congressman, well, former Congressman, now Fox News colleague, uh, Jason Chaffetz. All right, so uh, we have these new documents, thanks to our friends at Judicial Watch. Contact Orr and Peter Strzok the weeks after the 2016 election. And you have Lisa Page, you know, in a meeting that took place, required attendees or struck the FBI Deputy Assistant Director for Counterintelligence and then Orr attempts to arrange a meeting with Strzok, Page himself and uh, Bruce Schwartz, uh, Schwartz rather. And then Orr writes to Strzok and Page under the subject meeting uh, Bruce Schwartz. Thanks again for taking time to chat. As I mentioned, I'd like to set up a short meeting. Uh, would you be available? And Page responds, unfortunately, Pete is briefing the House and tell community, blah, blah, blah. Or responds to page, no problem. And it goes on from there. Bottom line is we keep getting more information. It seems these figures keep popping up again and again. Do you believe that the insurance policy is what it, we now know it to be? Yes. Yes, I do. I, I think the insurance policy was there in place. You look at the timing. Uh, they say it there in black and white in real time in text messages. Uh, I think the inspectors general uh, have been looking at trying to verify even further with other documentation. You know, I think a lot of us were frustrated last time. You know, did they have nefarious political intent? And the inspector general was, you know, hesitant on that. But the proactive actions that these people took, was obvious. that's I, where they overstepped the well, line. That's where they really overstepped. Last quick question. When are we getting the report? I got a break. Like six months ago. Exactly. It's it's pissing me off, too. That's how I'll put that. All right. Jason Chaffetz, thank you. 800-941-SHAWN. When we come back, Senator Tim Scott, South Carolina, will get his take on the killing of Baghdadi and, of course, this impeachment madness and much more. Greg, that killed al-Baghdadi is both a military and political victory for the Trump administration. But some officials point out that it may say as much about the flaws in Trump's foreign policy as it does about how well it can work. He sounded not like a president of the United States, he actually sounded like Saddam Hussein after torturing people, uh, sounded like Muammar Gaddafi after he would torture uh, uh, people. There's a long trail ahead of him actually finally releasing details, explicit details, some of which sort of echoed, and frankly, the crudeness you would often expect to hear maybe from ISIS about the whimpering, uh, screaming Baghdadi. I think uh, from a standpoint of symbolism and importance of the country, uh, the taking down the Osama bin Laden had a lot more meaning 
meaning than this. Can we at least agree that the world is a better place without this guy in it? Who, Trump or the big daddy? <laughs> It is unbelievable what what uh, these men did. Yeah. And uh, for our country. And and what the president uh, d uh, did as far as not being afraid to engage in, in what was really a high risk operation. The press releases have been quite jubilant. Uh, they have been completely bipartisan, congratulating President Obama. The American people are giving President Obama strong approval ratings for getting Osama bin Laden. But the Bush team is trying to grab the credit. President Obama showed this week he was as cool in the terrorist hunt as he was in, as president as he was in the delegate hunt as a candidate back in 2008. All right, 25 uh, till the top of the hour. Uh, this is how ugly, demented, twisted, sick, psychotic the mob in the media, the Democratic Party has now become Piers Morgan. I can't say it any better than him. Uh, as I said earlier, that, that they shame they are shaming themselves and their country. Where is the Democrat that is saying, thank you. Good job, Mr. President. Great job. The guy that's killed hundreds of thousands, the guy that is responsible for the the terror and brutality around the globe, the guy that that would give orders to behead people and videotape it or put people in cages and burn them to death or wiping out Yazidi Christians in northern Iraq and and taking women and children and and raping them repeatedly and turning them into sex slaves. Yeah, Kamala Harris. So well, Trump, it was, the way he described it was like commenting on a on a video game. You got NPR praising this mass murderer as a real leader. A movement we've we've never seen before. Talking about Baghdadi. You know, you got the, uh, you know, Bozo O'Rourke. It succeeded despite Trump. They can't even can't say once good job. Then you got the Washington Post. The austere religious intellectual dies at 48. Uh, no, that's not how you describe him. And you got one of their columnists, you know, having to backpedal even after that. The assertion that Baghdadi died as a coward was in any case contradicted by the fact that rather than be captured, he blew himself up. Oh, OK, that is uh, that's not a coward. Couldn't stand being captured. I uh, was afraid of American forces. And now they have more backlash there. They had to delete that tweet. You got fake news, CNN. They literally 41 of the most shocking lines from Trump's Baghdadi speech. Uh, he died after running into a, a dead end tunnel, whimpering and crying and screaming the whole way. He died in a vicious, violent way as a coward running and crying. Oh, I'm sorry. They're bad things to say. You got, you know, then, of course, uh, Area 51, Roswell, Rachel Maddow's channel, MSDNC, the Baghdadi raid shows flaws in Trump's foreign policy. It happened despite him. I mean, they they this is how ugly, twisted, sick, distorted the media has become. All right. Joining us to discuss this and much more. Senator Tim Scott, our friend from South Carolina. You know, I don't know who I like better. I like Lindsey Graham. He's really been doing a pretty good job. And I'm be, I think I like you better. Well, Sean, you just have you have great taste in your guests. So like, let me just put it that way. <laughs> Lindsey Graham's a, an excellent choice. I won't I won't argue with you there. Well, and both of you are. You're both great. 
Yes, sir. Our, we could we could not be more proud of the president of the United States than his military action. He took a high risk and it earned a high return. And the media has gone bonkers. If you cannot credit President Trump for bringing down the highest profile, the leader of the ISIS movement, Baghdadi, there is something wrong with your process. They can't. It overcooks my grits to, to see the response from the left and the media, which perhaps is saying the exact same thing at times. This is just outrageous, the lack of a positive response. I don't you know, understand I, it, John. I truly you, do you not know, You said something really funny. You kind of reminded me. You remember the movie My Cousin Vinny? You said overcooked my oh, yeah. grits. You know, yes. remember the... Now, do you like it al dente? And uh, do you like it al dente? Do you like uh, instant grits? No good southerner would ever use instant grits. Oh, and then he, he tears apart. Anyway, you reminded me of that. You, you know, yes. they, you, you've got now, um, and I know you were one of the early signatories, if you will, on this Lindsey Graham effort to say uh, impeachment's dead on arrival because it's being yeah. done in behind closed doors led by a fact witness, a compromised congressman, a corrupt, frankly, coward and, and congenital liar, Adam Schiff. He lied to us three years about Russia. So now they're going to vote to have the inquiry after we already have all the facts. What else do we need besides the transcript? Is there anything you can think of? I can't. I tell you what, there's a stench coming from the House of Representatives because of the fact that they've cooked the books before they allow any of the process to go public. One of the reasons why I have said very clearly that the presumptions of, of innocence have to apply to, to this situation is because they've made this into a ju judicial process. We know that the impeachment process is a political one. But the way that they have characterized it and framed it, my good friend Trey Gowdy could not have said it better, that the impeachment process is the closest thing to a death row case for a politician. I've read the transcript several times, and the president of the United States is not guilty, according to the transcript, in my interpretation, of an impeachable offense. The process, of course, matters, but we should first start with the fact that there's nothing for us to take a look at if you've read the transcript. It's not only that the president is not guilty of anything and what they said, quid pro quo, you know, they've now changed their stories now a million times and they keep raising and moving bars all over the place about what this impeachment is about. But it was supposed to be about the phone call and a quid pro quo. There is no quid pro quo. Here's what I hear. And I've read the transcript on the air, both radio and TV often. I yep. hear the president saying, and we know we know Ukraine because we have a court decision in Ukraine that said they interfered in our 2016 election. We went through three years of, uh oh, we can't have foreign interference in our election. So what I hear the president is saying is, hey, I need a favor. Can you help us get to the bottom of this? To me, he's faithfully executing the laws of the land. Something the media mob said they cared about. Democrats said they cared about for three years. It's John, your point is crystal clear. The president of the United States is looking back at 2016, not looking forward at an opponent. That is something that we have to we have to bifurcate this conversation. We have to make a line of delineation that simply says the president is looking at previous corruption in the election process, not looking for a way to injure or bring into conversation, frankly, 
Joe Biden for the future. It was about what happened in 2016. He is like a hound dog on this situation. He wants to bring forth to the to the clear public what happened in 2016, and that's what he was pursuing. And in my opinion, reading that transcript, like I said, 10 times, it is clear he is looking back and not forward. And that, to me, is doing the job of the president of the United States. Let me ask you about Biden, because it does come up. Okay, so if you're looking for a quid pro quo, tell me, Senator, if I'm wrong. When Joe Biden's on tape bragging that he leveraged a billion taxpayer dollars and said, I'm you got six hours. You fire this guy. You're not getting the money. Well, it sounds to me like a quid pro quo because and then he says, son of a bee, they fired him. And then we now learn and we had the disaster interview, in my view, of of Hunter Biden. You have any experience in Ukraine? No. Have any experience in energy, oil, gas? No. Uh, Why do you think they picked you to give millions of dollars to? I don't know. Did he think it might have anything to do with the fact that your dad was the vice president? Probably. Now, how do the Democrats just say that's a conspiracy theory when we know those are all facts? Well, number one, it is impossible to not hear what you just said and not hear the sound of the swamp needing to be drained. That is the first thing that comes to mind. Number two, it is undeniable that that Vice President Joe Biden made it crystal clear that in order to get the money, you had to do something. That, to me, sounds like quid pro quo. And number three, if your dad's running for president, you might not want to go on TV (laughs) And you're going to incriminate everything that has happened along the way. That's what Hunter Biden did from my perspective. Now, the fact of the matter is, if you fixed the changed the names and and it was Vice President Trump and and Donald Jr. Oh, oh, I think the reaction, I think the reaction would be very different. All right. Let me ask you this question. Where is this going? Because to me, the Democrats are so off. They, they've they're out of their minds with rage and this psychosis against Trump. Um, can they can they ever they jumped out of the airplane? Are they now going to impeach them, impeach the president? In your view, if they do, what will happen in the Senate? Uh, DOA. There's no question that this behind the scenes public not invited republicans you have no access to the information to the testimony to the witnesses to the fact patterns mr president please sit on your hands because you and your team and your legal response will have nothing to respond to because we're sending you nothing over there's no way a person of conscience sitting as a juror can look at this process and say, I find him only innocent because you can't find him guilty because there's no doubt the process has been so corrupted, so indefensible, that there's only one thing that a, a person of good conscience can conclude, and that is that the guilty party might be in the House, but it's not in the White House. The the interesting thing, then, and I found fascinating. The Washington Times today prints out, you know, this full uh, Department of Justice, the, the Department of Justice investigated and their criminal division has now completed their investigation into the conversation with President Trump and the Ukrainian president, uh, even about Joe Biden. They concluded that Mr. Trump did not violate any campaign finance laws and a separate division of the department also ruled the administration did not break the law by failing to 
quickly share a whistleblower's complaint with Congress saying the matter didn't meet the definition of urgent that would trigger the law. The department also released the transcript of the president's conversation with President Zelensky, showing that the American leader did talk about Mr. Biden and his son, but Mr. Trump did not threaten to withhold military aid, as some have alleged. When you hear what what now that we know what Biden did and shaking down Ukraine with taxpayer money with his VP. Now that we know his son got all of that money for doing nothing with no experience, do you is there any criminal statute that you can think of? I mean, beyond the ethics stink of it all, is there anything you you can see that would be legally that would put them in any legal jeopardy? I think it's very important for us to note that Attorney General Bill Barr is a man that we can trust and have confidence in, and we can also have great confidence that this is just the beginning and not the end. The fact that he's looking into the 2016 election process will include all that we've talked about so far. And as important as it is that he is looking into the entire process and and probing it all, I think President Zelensky's comments of there not being a quid pro quo is incredibly important to what we get from hearsayers, because you can't call them whistleblowers, hearsayers, when both parties on the conversation says that there was no quid pro quo, we're going to go to someone who was not on the conversation to establish mm-hmm. a fact pattern that is non-existent. Yeah. And then you have Schiff making up from whole cloth a, 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 a transcript that cannot, uh, does he, not, and exactly. will not exist. It, Wait, remember, so he lied for three years. Frames. He lied about Russia for three years. Well, you know, he, so there's nothing in the real transcript. So let me make it up as I go. Exactly. So there's no way that we can have any confidence in what's happening in the House. All right. Senator Tim Scott, friend of the program. Love having you on from South Carolina. Thank you, Senator. You're always welcome. And maybe we'll get you and Lindsay on together. We'll, we'll have a, a and maybe we'll even bring Gowdy into the mix. That'll be fun. All yeah. right. Let's have a Palmetto Wednesday. I love it. Sounds great. All right, Senator, thank you. 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the program on News Roundup Information Overload. I'm I'm finding it more interesting. Hoyer now throwing cold water on uh, Pelosi's impeachment plan. I think he's beginning, in a sense, what I've been saying. This is a disaster for them. We'll continue. Coming up next, our final news roundup and information overload hour. The president of the United States went on talking about how uh, Baghdadi died like a, quote, dog, a coward, a whimpering, um, whimpering and sniveling. Uh, He sounded not like a president of the United States. He actually sounded like Saddam Hussein after torturing people, uh, sounded like Muammar Gaddafi. Republicans and Democrats are united in their applause for the news that a military operation in Syria took down the number one most wanted terrorist in the world, ISIS leader Abu Bakr al-Baghdadi. Here's the press conference from yesterday. Take a look. Last night, the United States brought the world's number one terrorist leader to justice. Abu Bakr al-Baghdadi is dead. He was the founder and leader of ISIS, the most ruthless and violent terror organization anywhere in the world. He died after running into a dead-end tunnel, whimpering and crying and screaming all the way. So can we at least agree that the world is a better place without this guy in it? Who, Trump or the Baghdadi? (laughs) Which one? Which one do you think? 
that Dottie's a bad guy. I'm yeah. glad he's dead. Trump is now taking credit for all of this. And I remember when uh, when Osama bin Laden. Yeah, we got him. We got was, all the tweets uh, up that he put up. Was uh, uh, captured. Yeah. He said, uh, you know, Obama should not be taking credit for this because the Navy SEALs did it. Well, in this case, the special ops or whoever they were did this thing also. So maybe he should back off a little bit and stop bragging about it so much. All right. There the insanity of everybody in the media. Everybody in, you know, on the left and TV, the media mob, the Democratic mob, they can't even find it within themselves to praise the president. Good job, Mr. President. How about you just say that now? Bad enough. You know, you got the Washington Post leading the way. The austere religious scholar dies at 40, uh, 48. Really? Oh, and you can't say he's a coward either. And then and then they they can't say a word. It's just it's such a derangement. We got in Hollywood now sympathy growing for Baghdadi, the, the, the terrorist, the murderer who used to behead Americans on live TV, live streaming it. You got Jamie Lee Curtis racking up thousands of replies before she had to delete a tweet actually suggesting the Islamic State leader Abu Bakr al-Baghdadi suffered when he was killed Sunday during a U.S. military operation. President Trump minced no words describing the death of Baghdadi at the hands of our brave men and women as a brutal killer who has caused so much hardship and death has violently been eliminated. He died like a dog. He died like a coward. Then Jamie Lee Curtis reacted to the president's speech and tweets out, well, he may have died a coward at real Donald Trump, but all living things suffer when they're blown up. What is wrong with these people? There's like a missing chip. There's some, there's like, this is like a mass psychosis. I mean, to be a liberal, you, you have to now deny that objective truth exists. You have to live in such a state of hypocrisy that... You know, Russian interference only matters if, if it's Trump, not the dirty dossier. That obstruction can only be Donald Trump, but not Hillary's deletion, bleach bit namers. That uh, election interference from foreign countries matters, but not if it's Ukraine helping Hillary. All the I believers nowhere to be found when it's the lieutenant governor of the Commonwealth of Virginia. It is that sick. It is that inconsistent, that hypocritical, that psychotic at this point. You have to suspend any intellectual honesty, reason, common sense to live in this insane world that now the mob and the media and liberal Democrats live in. And this impeachment madness doesn't matter. The Justice Department, we've all read the transcript. Everyone's heard about the transcript. The president in the transcript is trying to do the, his job and faithfully execute the laws of the land and saying, if you have information about 2016 election interference, we have an agreement, by the way, put that aside. Would you we'd like you to help us. Democrats once cared about that for three long years when they thought they could get Trump on that. But apparently not now. OK, the Bidens, you want to talk about quid pro quos? We got a quid pro quo. You got six hours, six hours, and I'm going to you're not getting the money. Fire this prosecutor. OK, son of a bee. They fired him. Why did they fire? Him? Why did he want him fired? Because his son's being paid millions. And the dopey son goes on. Good morning, America. 
Did you have any background with Ukraine? No. Energy? No. Oil? No. Gas? No. Oh, well, why do you think they hired you? I don't know. Could it be your last name? The fact that your dad's the second most powerful guy in the country? Yeah. Oh, if that was Vice President Trump and Don Jr., you think the mob would act this way? That's a quid pro quo. It's also buying influence and favor. How does the vice president stop? What do you think they're giving him all that money for? All these countries now we're finding out. China, everything. Because they wanted favor. You don't have experience. No other Americans getting millions of dollars, are they? Anyway, news roundup information overload. Kaylee McEnany, National Press Secretary, Trump 2020. The author of the number one bestseller, Swamp Wars, Donald Trump and the New American Populism versus the Old Order. Um, I say that they're probably now in a position, although Steny Hoyer's trying to wake some of these idiots up. And I, I heard Steny Hoyer today, Jeff, say, you know, signaling that he will not commit to the House voting this week to formalize their secret Soviet style impeachment inquiry coup attempt after Pelosi said a vote is expected on Thursday. We're going to have to consider whether or not it's ready to go on Thursday. Um, do you think that there is conflict within the Democratic ranks on this? Yes, absolutely. And and let's remember that Steny Hoyer uh, has clashed in the past with Nancy Pelosi. He's, uh, uh, let's just say, a minimal fan of hers. So there, there has historically been friction there between the two of them. And I can see it coming out right here with uh, with his comments on on uh, impeachment. I mean, whatever else you want to say about Steny Hoyer, he's a pretty sharp uh, politician. He understands the pickle they've gotten themselves into. And I think he wants to uh, be very cautious. What do you think, Kaylee McEnany? Yeah, I think rightfully so. I mean, this is essentially an admission that what they've been doing all along was not the right way. Uh, it's also an attempt to legitimize a coup. Uh, this is a, a sham vote. I think Steny Hoyer uh, in part realizes that, or at least I hope, because essentially what you're saying with this vote is, yeah, we know we've raided your house. We know we violated your right to be free from unlawful search and seizure. We know that we've uh, taken away your Fourth Amendment rights. But here's a warrant 34 days later, and this should make up for it. Well, that just doesn't work to try to, on the back end, say, yes, let's give the president the rights he deserves. When you've done this under the shroud of darkness, the Q&A is in a skiff under lock and key, and you've selectively leaked. It looks really bad to the American people. And I think wiser Democrats, if there are any, uh, at least realize that. I don't know. It seems like most of them jumped out of the airplane and they're 5,000 feet below where the plane is now. I don't know if they have any ability to climb back up and get in that airplane. I would think that the 30 to 40 or so Democrats that are in Trump won districts in 2016, uh, that they've got to be pretty nervous and they may know they're walking the plank if they go along with this madness. But there's no indication that they have any say. Now, when they had their last meeting, apparently there were 27 of them, at least maybe as many as 32. I heard my sources that were like, this is a bad idea. Does that resistance still exist? I guess we're going to find out. I expect there's going to be a lot of arm twisting of those people and saying you need to do this for the good of the country. Right. Yeah, they are going to be told that. And and they are going to be put in a, in a bad situation here. I mean, you you know, you look at a state like Pennsylvania, where you've got some of these people who were elected. 
they'll be in real trouble if they do this, real trouble. And they know it. They know it. So, uh, you know, pushing these people into doing this when it's, you know, more or less signing their own political death warrant is something they're not going to appreciate. Yeah. In terms of the mob and the media, they're the biggest donors to the Democratic Party. Um, we know our friends at Media Research and, you know, they do a pretty good job. And, and what they pointed out is the broadcast networks. Well, they have, despite all the unreliable nature of these anonymous sources, the three broadcast networks, I'll throw this to Kaylee. They have used them in nearly three fifths of their news reports about, quote, the impeachment probe since it began. And the day the impeachment inquiry was announced, these three broadcasts devoted 322 minutes to the probe of their evening newscasts across 140 separate news segments. So the bottom line is that's about 82 or 57 percent relied at least in part on anonymous sourced information. We don't need any sources at this point, do we, Kaylee? Because we got the transcript. Exactly. We don't need any source because we have the firsthand information. Uh, but that's what the media does. They don't care the veracity of the source, the truthfulness of the information. They just care if it's damaging to President Trump. If it's damaging to President Trump, by all means, they'll publish it. They'll run with it. If it's an anonymous source, or I agree with the president at times, perhaps even making up sources and saying it's an anonymous source. Um, but we have, you're exactly right, Sean, we have the transcript before our very eyes. We see there's no quid pro quo. So that's why these selective leaks from the testimony from this Vendelman uh, guy and from Bill Taylor and all the selective leaks, these are just opinions on a transcript we all have seen because we have it in front of us. We have the information. We don't need the opinions uh, from second, third-hand sources, uh, many of whom, like Vendelman today, who's never even associated with the president or had interaction with the president and just read the transcript like the rest of America. So Mark Halperin, who uh, who's, uh, I guess, a regular panelist on Liberal Joe and he and the other guy, the other idiot, Heileman, I guess his name is, are responsible for game change. Uh, they took what could have been a great show called The Circus and they turned it into a, a, an abusively biased hate Trump circus, uh, just an extension of everything else we see in the mob and the media. But anyway, he writes a book. In this book, he is saying that there is a plot with the Democrats and ne and never Trumpers to doom Trump's 2020 election. The Washington Examiner has this in there today and that it's called the Moonshot Project, which would begin next spring, would have the goal of pulling at least three points away from Trump's reelection, enough to rob him of reelection in a close election. And given the broad support the president has from the GOP candidates, their allies would have to be prepared to take tremendous heat. But if the election is as close as expected, quote, a talented, committed challenger could pull enough votes in a battleground state to make it impossible for Trump to win, uh, especially if the Democrats manage the Green Party. And then he throws out names like Massachusetts Governor Charlie Baker, uh, Tom Ridge, former Pennsylvania governor, Tommy Thompson, former Wisconsin governor, David Jolly of Florida. Uh, do you think they would do that? Jeff Lord. 
Oh, I think they'd try. I think they try. But, you know, most of the people involved with these kind of things have never had any serious on-the-ground experience in politics. Some of them, yes, but not a lot of them. And so they're off there in this Trump derangement syndrome cloud cuckoo land, sitting there and plotting in Washington, D.C. or wherever, and they think they can pull this off. On the other hand, when I got out there, I was out twice last week to different events here in Pennsylvania. People are really ginned up. I mean, they are they are not just enthusiastic about the president. They're going to do absolutely everything they can, pull out all the stops, because they're aware that these kind of people are out there and they have had enough of it. Yeah, I think Democrats will pursue this in the House. I think that they are delusional enough to think that this is a good idea. Uh, I think they get the votes, despite the fact that you know, members like Congressman Peterson, who won in a district that Trump won by 30 points, will then lose his seat. So, I, yeah, I think they impeach in the House. I think it is completely uh, stopped in the Senate. And I think we win back the House, along with President Trump winning re-election on November 3rd, 2020. Jeff Lord, where are yeah. you going with this? Yeah, yeah, I think they're going to try it, absolutely. And the the fact over in the Senate that Lindsey Graham has already got 50 Republican senators, uh, you know, criticizing the House for this action. I mean, this is dead on arrival, as the old Leon Panetta phrase used to be about Reagan budgets. Uh, it's dead on arrival over there. It isn't going to go anywhere, and it's going to turn around. The president certainly will turn it around and make it an asset for himself. Unbelievable times we live in, I'll tell you that. You This... I don't know if I've ever seen such madness in my life. This is like group psychosis. Um, and all, by the way, if they win, then they want to destroy the country with the new Green Deal and Medicare for all and every other dumb idea they have. Uh, Jeff Lord, Kaylee McEnany, thank you. 800-941-SEAN, toll-free telephone number. We have an awesome Hannity tonight at 9. Tell you more about that. But when we come back, your calls are coming up next. All right, 25 till the top of the hour, 800-941-SEAN, if you want to be a part of the program. We've not spoken, I don't even think, I think we just mentioned it one day in, in passing. We've been so busy with everything else that's been in the news. But this California Congresswoman, Katie Hill, and she gives this four-minute, I guess, resignation with a lot of ups and downs in it, from what I could see of it. She is claiming she is a victim of revenge porn in a pretty defiant video shared online, freshman Democrat, kind of fiery at times, other times somewhat tearful YouTube speech in front of an American flag saying she's resigning from office because of an abusive husband and a coordinated campaign carried out by the right wing media. Now, may, look, I'm too busy working to follow the right wing media Linda, we haven't talked about it. What we might have mentioned it, I think, once in passing, correct? Yeah, I mean, we, we, we were just basically trying to figure out what her deal was. Yeah, well, I think what I said is all I know is if this was a Republican, it would be everywhere. It would be never ending. I'll tell you, our good coverage. friend, uh, Kerry Pickett, she has been trying to get to the bottom of it and find out, you know, what has been going on. And I think the thing is, is that she's got to play the victim. Because the people that she was having these um, uh, quote unquote meetings with and paying them for their time, uh, you know, they were paid for consulting. Uh, they got a bonus, you know, and it's all in the taxpayer dollar. So it's a problem. Well, you know, one of the things I've been saying, I know a lot of these guys have had these settlements where, you know, we've had reports and we've talked about it at length that taxpayer dollars have been used to make settlements with staff by congressmen and congresswomen. 
Now, I don't you know, sometimes that becomes a he said, she said. Sometimes it becomes a business decision that, you you know, OK, it's going to cost me this mo- amount of money. If you pay somebody, it's going to cost me this amount of money if, if I litigate it and it's going to be horrible press. So you never know. But the thing is, if they want to make these settlements, I've been saying do it with your own money. That's that's not but see, that's the, the thing. Taxpayers. Like she's saying, you know, oh, my husband did this to me at the end of the day. You know what you do in the privacy of your own home or your office or whatever you're doing. OK, fine. I don't want to know about it. But when you start, you know, having affairs with people that are you junior, you know, they report to you, you know, and it gets a little hairy. I mean, this is why we all have HR and, you know, we, we kind of have to go through all of these, you know, these various 30 hour, uh, you know, um, human resources training sessions, you know, forgive me. Thank you, Jason. So, no, you know, l- l- listen, uh, let me tell you at Fox, there's like New York state law. Then there's the HR department laws. And then there's this law. And then there's that law. I mean, it's all over the place. No, for sure. But the problem is that her story, it just kept getting worse. First, it was like, oh, I, you know, I was fooling around with this girl. She was an intern. And then she came on as a staffer. Oh, then it wasn't just me. It was me. Say, her. Again, say, say staffer. Staffer. Then it was me, her, and my husband. We weren't a couple. We were a throuple. You know, I didn't even know what a throuple was. I never week. heard of that. Am I um, the, are we the only two? Ethan, Jason? No idea. Know, Katie? Never, never heard of throuple. Kylie? Have you guys ever, did anyone ever hear of that before? Who did? No one did. No one did. No one. I mean, I mean I Katie did. Hill obviously knew all about it because she was in it. But other than that, nobody knew what it was. And I think, you know, so then it's like, OK, now I got a throuple, uh, you know, it was all consensual. Now I got this other guy, you know, and this guy. I don't even want I, I don't even want to hear it. I just don't. Well, I, you, you got to hear it because I'm telling you about it. So well, then I'm this saying, other guy, she's screwing around with this guy, you know, I mean, it's just a hot mess, you know, and that, the problem is. What is the revenge porn part of it? What does she mean by that? Because her, all the affair she was having, obviously it wasn't enough just to have the affair. They needed to, you know, commemorate it with a photo or a video. <laughs> and, you know, it's like, okay, you know, not only. Oh, so she, yeah. she, so in other words, she's saying one of the people involved she's in She's saying this, her ex-husband released these photos on various websites to get back at her. And that's why she, it's a revenge porn type situation. Well, it sounds like her husband's a jerk if he was participating in all of this. Or he why? was mad because his wife was having multiple affairs with men and women. Yeah, well. So, you know, I mean, you know, yeah, he might be like, yeah. Yeah. There, might, there might be some rational, righteous indignation. I'm just saying anger people there. do crazy things, you know, when they get, you know, but when they wh- get hurt. Wait, where is she coming up with a coordinated campaign carried out by the right wing media? I, because I mean, that's I what gets everybody it. on her side. See, her side <laughs> is the victim side. So her side is where everybody's a victim. You know, if you're not a victim, you know, there's something wrong with you. So now she's got to say, oh, no, this was all consensual. I'm a victim. You know, uh, it's because I'm a lesbian. Then No, it's because I'm bisexual. No, it's because my husband abused me. Uh, no, I never had an affair with anybody else. Oh, no, wait, I wasn't a throuple with my husband. No, no, no. I was having an affair with this other guy. Oh, no, I did pay him a bone. I mean, it's a hot, it's a disaster. Just go away. Be quiet. You're making it worse. You're, you're giving me a headache. I, mean, I have really- a headache. You're welcome. You know, anyway, MSNBC, the, you know, Area 51 Roswell Rachel Maddow channel is mourning the tragedy of all of this. Um, there's a Fordham professor, Christina uh, Greer is her name, saying about the resignation. It's a form of technological domestic abuse. You know, I will say this and in her defense and people might be surprised I'm saying this. If she and her husband or the thruple, if they make an agreement between themselves to tape something like this, 
And then it's weaponized by one of the three or I mean, at that point, doesn't it now border or you begin to have to investigate the issue? Let me tell you something. Extortion. I'm just going to cut you off with the past. No, because you don't know nothing about this because you're just older and you don't get it. This is the way it works. All right. Once you do something like this. What is wrong with you? Why are you so hostile today? Why are you so angry? I'm not hostile. I just need to say you a little bit. That if you participated in this and then you turn around and you use it against the people involved in this. Be, it's a pretty crappy thing to do, especially if you know it's going to hurt one of the people that you were involved in and you all decided to do this. And on the other side of it, you can make an argument. And I would go to the Gawker case with Hulk Hogan as an example where hang on a second. This he got one hundred and forty million dollars in a jury verdict and Gawker went under as a result. That was that was a landmark case. Go ahead. So. In the age of 2019, almost 2020, for anybody to take a picture, for anybody to have a video, and you're going to say to the other person, now listen, just keep it for yourself. Never show it to anybody. First of all, you are a moron, okay? Because there is no way. What is a moron? A moron is an extended, uh, amplified version of a moron. Okay, it's a moron. You're so dumb, you can't even say the word right. It has reverb behind it. Forget about it. It's a hot mess. So now you're going to take a picture butt naked, having an affair, three or four people involved, you're paying people off and you say, now, now that we have all of, we're, we're, none of us are honest. We're all doing something wrong, but Hey, you have my word. I'm never going to show anybody this picture, but you're, even though you're, I'm cheating on my wife, you, I'm cheating on my husband, on, I'm taking money not, from the taxpayer. They may not think it's wrong. They have a different value system than you do. Oh, right. So they got a different value system, but they're never going to show the naked pictures. Give me a break. Once you take a picture on an iPhone, forget about it. It's for the world to see. That's why they have a thing called the cloud that keeps getting hacked. How many actors and actresses have we seen but naked because they can't stop taking pictures of themselves naked and then they get hacked? It makes careers. I mean, didn't Kim Kardashian and Paris Hilton, they they all have. I don't know. I don't ever watch that crap. So it's not up for me. All right. Let me get to the phones. Uh, Moses New Jersey. What's up, Moses? How are you? Welcome to the program. I'm doing outstanding, Sean. Thank you so much for taking my call. And I actually saw your Politicon this week, and I was actually down there, and I thought the debate was awesome. And oh, I'm glad you liked it. I had fun. Yes, sir. You know, and the one takeaway that I have, Sean, and this is one thing that really, really like resonated with me, is that you know, like some of the some of the debates that I saw with some of the Democrats and some people on the left, the way that they debate, what they're saying is just they are living in a completely different world. And my takeaway is this, and this is how I think the Republicans and conservatives can actually win the messaging war that they're losing right now, because it's easy to say to a set to a Republican senator or maybe a conservative talk show host that you're a racist, you're a Nazi, that walls don't work, you know, pick their poison. But it's not so easy to have that same argument. And for example, put Nancy Pelosi on camera and say that walls don't work to the Border Patrol sector chief of the San Diego sector. You can't do that because she will she will wreck her with the stats, with the data, how assaults on agents go down 80 percent. We have to turn that White House press briefing room into a debate stage, have the best spokespeople alongside with the president make the case to the American people and give us a security briefing, one that the press will not be able to deny. And also the Democrats will not be able to oppose. We need to elevate the people that are around the president, the lifelong officials that are rep- that he supports and have them make the case. A live televised presidential town hall. Imagine you as the moderator 
here with the angel moms, with the ICE officials, with the Border Patrol agents jumping into that river, saving the families, with the charts, the data, everything showing the American people what's happening and disproving every single Democratic talking point and every single mainstream media lie. That will be very, very, it'll be awesome for the American people. Look, I am as a conservative, and thank you for the call, confident that when you put the president's record, look, Reagan ran on, are you better off than you were four years ago? The answer is obviously yes. Uh, uh, Obama and Biden ran on, oh, Osama's dead and GM's alive. Okay, Baghdadi's dead, and we have the lowest unemployment number since 1969 record low unemployment for african-americans hispanic americans asian americans women in the workplace all right next question do you think that donald trump has lost any of the support of people that went out and passionately voted for him in 2016 i don't think he's lost any can he get maybe of the seven million americans off of food stamps and the seven million new jobs he created can he get some of those voters to say this is working for me and vote for him? I think, yeah, I like his chances. And I don't think impeachment is going to have any impact at all. Uh, back to our phones. Uh, Terry is in California. This fire is so out of control. It's so scary what is happening out in California. Now we got now new winds are coming in, as I understand it, Terry. You're a firefighter. God bless you. That is a very difficult, dangerous job, sir. Yes, sir. Glad to be with you. Uh, so the reason I called is I just want to give you an update. It's really not, the news is not really doing it justice to what had happened up here. The initial fire started, I believe, on Wednesday, burned down and threatened the town of Geyserville, which is about 20 miles north of Santa Rosa, which had about 10% of the homes burned down on the Tubbs fire in 2017. Uh, my wife is a sergeant in Santa Rosa Police Department, and brother is a battalion chief with the city of Santa Rosa. So the information I've got from them, myself being retired now after 26 years, and a student of the wildfire history, this thing had set up between Wednesday when the winds turned kind of turned off, burned Thursday and Friday and burned down. So it was kind of pointing directly at the town of Windsor, Larkfield and Santa Rosa. So we got very lucky. And I have to say the strategy and tactics of this incident management team and Cal Fire and the cooperating agencies have put together was absolutely amazing. Some of the best firefighting in recorded history. So they had enough time to get about 550 engines up, which is 110 strike teams, dozers, water tenders, aircraft, had everything in place. And then the major wind event hit. We had 103 clock mile per hour winds at the ridgetops and 50 to 80 down in the flats. So they took probably about, I'm guessing, about 150 to 200 engines and staggered them at least two miles deep from where the fire front was to where it was potentially going to jump the highway, which is six lanes. So they were literally, my brother said that they were literally bumper to bumper engines on every street, every firefighter putting out every ember that they could possibly find and managed to keep it from jumping the freeway, which, which was absolutely one of the biggest success stories in wildfire, modern wildfire history. I've never, we've never had a chance to get everything right. They evacuated out 190,000 people hours, eight hours in advance. So everybody was out of the way, which allowed the firefighters to really get in there and do their jobs. I mean, from what I saw, these guys took a hell of a beating. Um, the police department, law enforcement or military are up there keeping everything safe, locked down. But if this fire had jumped the 101, in my estimation, it was going to burn all the way to the Pacific Ocean, which is about 35 miles. 
and that was the entire evacuation area. In that area, you're looking at about 250,000 acres that would have burned. So right now, the winds are picking up again to about 35 miles per hour, expecting gusts to 60 this afternoon and this evening. So currently, the big threats are to Middletown and Calistoga, which is on the eastern flank of the fire and the south end of the fire. So keeping fingers crossed that they can keep doing some great work. And again, I just, I want to say that the fire and law enforcement, this is, this has to be the absolute biggest fire success story I've ever heard of. Wow. You just stunned all of us. We're, we're all looking at, at each other like, wow, you really are a, a student of these wildfires. I don't have a lot of time to go into detail. I just want to say this. Thank goodness. Thank God. There are people like you and all these firefighters. It scares me watching all of this happen out there. The, the destruction, the devastation, the people's homes. It's horrible when people lose homes. It's um. But, you know, more importantly, you're saving lives and you are saving property and it is at great personal risk. And I just want you to know we're thinking about all of you guys out there fighting every day. You're in our thoughts and prayers. And thank you for what you do and the heroism you show every day. And our prayers are with you and everybody out there. All right. Quick break. We'll continue. Now, listen, we uh, we're wrapping things up for today, but. I will tell you, I have Hannity tonight, 9 Eastern on the Fox News Channel. Loaded up, we got Devin Nunes, we got Steve Scalise, we got Senator Lindsey Graham, Dan Bongino, Geraldo. On the political side, how will all this Democratic madness play out? Karl Rove ranks Priebus. That's Hannity tonight, set your DVR, 9 Eastern on the Fox News Channel. And we will be back here tomorrow, as always. Thank you for being with us. See you tonight, back here tomorrow. <laughs> 